0: How is Gen AI impacting the tax function? Here are some thoughts from EY
1: and Real-Time Insights. The best way I can analogize, if you think back to 30 years ago with spreadsheets, at that point in time, most tax planning and processes were done with a pencil, paper, and a calculator. But everyone thought that was going to remove the need for tax professionals. The reality is that they learned how to code spreadsheets. They learned how to build better business insights, worse scenarios. And years and years later, there's more tax jobs than ever. And so we see AI as having the same impact. Learn more at EY.com. Hey there, it's Tracy Alloway.
0: And Jill Weisenthal.
1: We are the co-hosts of the Odd Thoughts podcast, and we want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you are not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez.
0: Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives.
1: Like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment.
0: And dives into the wins, losses and lessons learned along the way from bloomberg podcasts and bloomberg originals you can listen to the deal on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcast you can also watch it on bloomberg television and bloomberg originals on youtube
2: sorry i must put on my speaking to foreigners voice hello tracy how are you today
1: it's lorkin i'm so excited hey Lorcan.
2: It's been
0: too long. And Lorcan, I'm sorry to say, uh, I just found out that all episodes now go on radio and we can't swear anymore. Uh-huh. So you're going <laughs> to have to wait, rest- but we
1: can actually bleep it I, out.
0: I, I, no, because then it's all. I, that I, that I,
2: I think that should be the start of the podcast. That's yeah, fine.
0: that's what we're going to start that's it. it there. I did a deadlift. One,
1: two, three. Hegemony. Hegemony. Okay, good. good. What two? Hegemony. Uh, barges.
0: This is an after-school special,
1: except- I've decided I'm gonna base my entire personality going forward on campaigning for a strategic pork reserve in the US.
0: Where's the best squid ink pasta? (laughs)
1: These are the the important questions. Is it robots taking over the world? (laughs) No, I
0: think that like, in a couple of years, the AI will do a really good job of making the Odd Lots podcast. (laughs) And people will say, I don't really need to listen to Joe and Tracy. Anymore. we do have cha-ching <laughs> the perfect guest.
1: You're listening to lots more where we catch up with friends about what's going on right now.
0: Because even when the odd lots is over, there's always lots more.
1: And we really do have the perfect guest,
0: Tracy. I miss when one of our uh, when we worked with Lorcan, our Irish farmer friend.
1: Yes, working with Lorcan was a singular experience in many ways. There was a lot of swearing. I remember that. But it also meant we had an agricultural expert that we could just turn around and ask questions too.
0: And it means that Bloomberg for a few years had a uh, 6 Mile Bridge bureau in uh, <laughs> Western Western Ireland. Which and I visited. The most
1: desirable Bloomberg bureau of all, I think. I
0: visited the 6 Mile Bridge bureau. I think dash visited. Yes,
2: I have been there. I love 6 Mile Bridge. It's beautiful there. <laughs> yeah,
0: but uh, Tracy at some point you're going to have to make your pilgrimage even if it's not a formal bureau anymore.
1: I really want to. Wait, Okay, so we have our former colleague, Lorcan Roche-Kelly, with us. He left Bloomberg a little while ago, and he is now working at the, what was it, the Irish Farmers Journal? What what
2: are you doing these days, Lorcan? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i business editor at the Irish Farmer's Journal. I won't say it's my perfect job, but it's close to my perfect job. When it came up, I couldn't say no. Much <laughs> as I love Bloomberg and love yeah. the job working with you all, it's still, this was an opportunity that could not pass up. When, when you, could, Joe, if, if you were invited well, to be the editor of Irish uh, International Country Music Magazine. Yeah, right. You know,
0: you <laughs> know, <you should laughs> no, that's exactly what I thought. When you left, I was like, oh God, I'm so devastated that Lorcan is leaving. But then you're like, I'm going to be the editor of the uh, Irish Farmer's Journal. It's like, all right, I really like... I can't blame you. It it was it sounded right. It, it's a good
2: phrase, yes. Okay, that's good.
1: For those who don't know, Lorcan has a really interesting career history, and he sort of willed himself into being a financial commentator around the time of the Eurozone crisis. But Lorcan, give us your background before we dive yeah, into it, because I don't think everyone knows. People who don't know the yeah. Lorcan
2: lore. <laughs> Oh, oh, my God. I, I, Did we do a podcast on this before? Can we just reference that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, yeah. I used to do lots of things. I used to do some mining. I used to be... Um, I used to own an art gallery. I used to um, do some um, advisory work for US hedge funds. I used to... I used to do a lot of things. I think maybe I get bored easily. That could possibly be what the problem is. <laughs> but um, I, I think I think it's kind of, almost, not quite fake it till you make it, but it's, you know, if people say, I, I always say, why can't they do that rather than why can't I do that? So that's it's kind a, of my, my philosophy and it's worked out well so far. That is
0: a great philosophy. The day that I, or I was there, I think I was there visited you for, you know, three or four nights. but I think I was there when you sold at least some of the last of your cows on the farm and I went with you, to a uh, the local uh, cow auction, which was really fun.
2: Yeah, you you had the full agricultural experience. Even if I remember the you had the Irish breakfast in the local cow auction, which is definitely one for the pure. Yes,
0: it was a great Irish breakfast. And I just want to make one point about that Irish breakfast,
2: which is really good. And I posted a photo on Twitter. And for those
0: of you, know, Lorcan, you've probably wisely moved off Twitter. I'm still addicted. We all know how Tracy views Twitter. But I posted that photo of this. Irish breakfast that I got at this like small local, you know, auction, little auction house in Western Ireland for cows in the cafe and the canteen there. And all these people are like, oh, it looks like tourist, oh, tourist food and stuff like that. Because I guess that's just how people react online. They see some food and the first impulse is to insult it, and they probably thought I was in like some you know expensive Dublin hotel or something, and it could not have been less of a tourist area.
2: And so it, it confirms all I, the bad I, I things. I have never about seen Twitter. a tourist in the, the American city. One big, I have to say. So yourself, aside from yourself, yes, yeah. Aside but, for myself,
1: Lorcan. So, Joe mentioned you sold the cows, and I seem to remember for a while you became a tree farmer of some sort, taking advantage of oh, oh, EU Oh, my goodness! Carbon. See, you, you, credits. You, you, you,
2: are, you are absolutely touching such a raw nerve right <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm sorry. i sorry, have no idea. I, I'm gonna start marching up and down in the office here. Yeah, Wait, this just, is what, what happened to
1: the trees.
2: The the trees are still not in the ground due to unbelievable bureaucracy. Oh, like astonishing levels of bureaucracy. Well, this is we can go into that.
0: Well, this is I might hear how my
2: tone has changed.
0: Yes, my understanding is that there are many farmers across the EU these days: France, Germany, the Netherlands,
2: probably elsewhere that are angry. Some of them are shutting down. Have you shut
0: down any highways yet?
2: Uh, not yet, but um, we're going to go out. Just I think the farmers are going out in um in solidarity this evening in some areas, but we're not shutting out these because we're not actually protesting right now. We're just in solidarity. But
0: it sounds like maybe you understand, you can sympathise with the frustration, or get have a in deep grasp of what the frustration is.
2: Well, I I, I, so I can tell you exactly what the frustration is caused for, and there's three things that have caused frustration. The first okay. thing is um what has happened. The second thing is what's happening right now. And the third thing is what's about that. <laughs> I th- think that's we're all the need to need you to all right, what are the yeah. three? Why don't you, what, what, what do you uh, build that out a little bit? Oh, yeah. So I think that what happened is is kind of farmers in the EU, because the EU has, has got very high welfare standards for farmers, which is very um, laudable. They've got very high environmental standards as well. So these environmental standards have been kind of, increasing for the last 25 years. One of the big ones was a water safety directive came in in 1999 and that has been kind of slowly implemented over the last 25 years. And every kind of iteration of that implementation brings in more rules that farmers have to follow. So it brings an increased burden of administration but also with, they tend to limit how much production the farmers can have on their land. And this is kind of something that's been there for a long time. And farmers don't like it particularly but they're they accepting of it. The But the problem they have right now is that a lot of the trade deals the EU signs with countries like the Mercosur one particularly, but also in New Zealand and Australia, those trade deals are trade like they're free trade agreements, so they cover everything, including farm products. But the farmers in Europe, their what well, the problem is, they look at these trade deals and say, hang on a sec, these guys, particularly in South America, they do not have anything like the environmental standards we do. They can produce uh-huh. animals, cattle at a... You know, 60% of the cost and send it to us and undercut our food in the market in the EU because there's a trade deal in place. Okay, the Mercosur one not in place yet. But if you look at New Zealand land, if there's slightly lower environmental standards in New Zealand, they can be taken advantage of because they'll have they'll just have lower margins or lower margin requirements coming into the EU. So that's kind of both what has happened and what's happening next, I think, are the two sides of that. What's happening right now is farmers are being squeezed in Europe for lots of different things. In 2022, farmer incomes skyrocketed. They went up 40 50% across the board because we had the 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 kind of the, the huge squeeze on um, costs for everyone in Europe. There was lots of um, supply chain problems. There was lots of things. The farmers were in a position that they were, they were able to sell more product in the local market. There was less global trade. And demand for big countries from Asia shot up. So farmers took advantage of that, sold lots of them. But that was okay in 22 because at the same time, we saw that the... Input costs for farming also skyrocketed. I'm sure you've seen the European gas prices. We're looking at fertilizer prices tripling. We're looking at fuel prices, electricity prices. have shown up as well. But farmers could eat those costs in 2022 because their output costs rose so much. This year, last year, 2023, farm incomes dropped by 40%, kind of back to 2021 levels, slightly above 2021 levels. But the farm costs dropped by maybe... Are maybe kind of 75%, I was like, they're 25% higher than where they were in 2021. So the cost base has dropped a lot, but not as much. The income has dropped back to where it was kind of 2021 levels. And for some farmers, they have, they're having negative income in 2023. So they're kind of, their cost base is unsustainable in lots of ways for lots of different farmers. And on top of that, then you have new legislation coming in on some of the tax breaks the farmers are getting, particularly in Germany. And Joe, I know you're a huge fan of this. The, um, <laughs> I'll get the pronunciation right. The the, the Bundesverfassungsgericht has <laughs> had their ruling last year. That's the German Constitution Court, which had the recent ruling on the German budget. And as part of those, basically, the German government can't spend money anymore. So one of the cost-saving measures they decided to introduce was to cut the tax relief on agricultural diesel and agricultural machines. So one of the big um, costs lots of farmers have, particularly in the tillage sector, is Diesel to power their tractors and buy new machines. So the the question of this tax relief on that, um, in the budget, has really pushed German farmers over the edge. I think they're starting to get some concessions on that. In the last day or two, we see some concessions announced. So see the the, the the tax deal will be there for another while. I think. I think a lot of people, the politicians in Europe are also concerned that we have elections coming up in for the European Parliament in June, and that's because if we see farmers protesting. We might see a push more towards the right from the center and in European elections.
1: So one thing I don't short
2: version (laughs) that was excellent.
1: That was a really good overview. But one thing I don't get so the sort of clean water initiatives. I don't understand. I thought the big problem with cattle farming was the sort of large scale stuff where the cows fart and poo and all the manure goes into like a giant cistern where it doesn't degrade in a natural way. And then that runs off into the water system and makes everything out of balance. But but, But I thought the smaller farms, it was like slightly better, but it seems like the smaller scale farm farms are affected as well.
2: I, I think it, the, the, the tightness of the legislation is, is in Europe is quite a lot higher than it is anywhere else in the world. There's even legislation, there's four, I suppose, I suppose to take a step back. There's a thing called a common agricultural policy, which is the European policy to make sure to people that food in Europe is cheap. Because the production cycle in Europe is quite expensive, so farmers are given money to produce food at a high level that can be sold at a rate that is accessible to consumers. So the Common Agricultural Policy is kind of a compensation mechanism for a lot of the rules that come in. But the rules on the Common Agricultural Policy are quite tight, I suppose. So it is what you can call the Good Agricultural Environmental Condition. It's called a GAEC. So to, to get the cap money as a farm, you've got eight things you have to do. You have to um, establish a buffer strip along watercourse. So if you've got a river flowing through your land or a stream, you have to have a bit of land that you don't farm mm. against that. You have to have um, protection against water pollution. That's quite simply like you have a tank to keep your cow slurry in. You have to have a minimum to soil cover. You have to have land management for specific site conditions to limit erosion. or You have to leave hedgerows in place. Um, you have to have at least 4% of your land that is what they call space for nature. Like That's not onerous on a lot of small farms, but on some farms it is. You've got the um, retention of landscape features, so you, again, you can't clear hedgerows. So that's kind of oh. these kind of... They're almost finicky little rules, but they're all in place. And on top of that, then, there is, they do water quality tests across Europe. And the water quality tests measure nitrates, which is kind of, if you've ever heard of algae blooms across, as a big sign of pollution. That's a high nitrogen level in water. So they need water quality tests with Europe to measure the nitrogen level. And what they've done is they've established a base level of nitrogen per hectare of land. In Europe, which means basically limits chemical um, fertiliser in lots of ways. But it's just like the amount of nitrogen in the soil can't be more than 170 I think it's kilograms per hectare. So the limit is 170. In Ireland, uniquely, we have what's called a derogation from that, where our mm. limit was 250 per hectare. Because Ireland is a fully grass-based agricultural system. We don't have big sheds with feedlots it's all cows on grass. Hmm. So because you have all cows on grass, you have a higher nitrogen level in the fields generally. So we had that at 250 per kilo up until the 1st of January this year when it got reduced to 220. And 250, 220 doesn't sound like a lot, but for a lot of dairy farmers who were are being tested and we're farming at 250 The cut to 220 means their production will drop by about six or seven percent. You basically have to them.
1: get rid of the cows, right? Like there's not a get lot else of cows that you
2: can do. Or, 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 well, you can get more land. Get more land okay. and get rid of cows. That's the two options. All right. And that has a knock-on effect because dairy farmers are, they, they earn... I suppose they have they're, they're the highest turnover. They've, they've got income levels, so they can then um, rent lease land that's close to them. And a lot of the, like, farmers are leasing land that traditionally was tillage land. So the tillage sector in Ireland has been squeezed by the dairy sector. But the only reason the dairy sector is doing the squeezing, it's because of this nitrate le- legislation that's in place. That water quality legislation, again, comes from 1999, which incidentally, I think, is the same year that the Mercosur Trade Talks started. So, you know, th- these things are... Are a long time in the grass before they bite us, and just all kind of biting right now.
0: What should financial services C suites be thinking about around Gen AI? Here are some thoughts from EY and Real Time Business.
1: So what should C-Suite's be thinking about? What's the one key takeaway they should be aware of?
2: Explore the potential of this technology, but with right safeguards in place. Clearly, the technology is fascinating. The potential it provides is something that they have not seen this far. So there is merit to exploring it, but at the same time, It is extremely important for organizations that are operating in regulated industries, such as ours, be guarded and have the right safeguards in place to protect themselves from the risk they are exposed to with this technology. Great stuff. Thanks, Vidya.
0: Learn more at EY.com.
1: Good song Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Your trees, Tracy, t- struck a raw nerve asking you about your tree farm. you like, what was the deal? You took a deal, right? You sold your cows and you were going to get money from the EU to plant trees. Like the, t- tell us that what's the, what was well, the basic, uh, I was, I was what was the get, basic uh, program? The,
2: the, 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 this is the Paris climate change yeah. targets. Um, it's where it comes from because Ireland is a, High emitting country because we have agricultural high emitter. We've also got a large aviation sector here. We have lots of oh, yeah. different sort. But um, in, in the one that we can kind of control, I suppose, locally is the agricultural sector. So in order to get the recent Paris Climate Change Agreements, the Irish government has undertaken certain things we're going to do by 2030. And one of those was to establish 8,000 extra hectares of forestry per year in the country. Now, the policy has been an abject failure from... To start, they're getting around two thousand hectares per year, but much of that's commercial forestry anyway. And the reason for this is that the the, the rules that surround it and the environmental rules are, are almost are drugs They're not clear enough either to the farmer, to the forester, or to the inspector. So everyone kind of edges um, either doesn't make a decision, which is a typical problem in bureaucracy across the world or else they they err on the side of caution, so put such stringent restrictions on plantations that plantations never happen at all. And in my case, that was one of the things. We had such stringent conditions on the plantation. I couldn't get a forester to commit to plant it because he couldn't Hmm. guarantee the plantation, when it was finished, would be exactly within the spec that was required because the spec was so tight.
1: That seems so, so it's, crazy. It's like Because kind of, tree growth is so unpredictable. Like, How do you ever? And and you're working on such long timelines. It seems like if you don't know what something's going to look like in 20 years, it just seems like a huge risk to take in order to get the subsidies.
2: Exactly. That is that is precisely what the problem is. If, they, if, they, if, they was, if there was a thing where you just gave free trees to farmers to plant that and we'll give you yeah. X amount per acre for years, then that would be a much easier thing. But because There is again reams of EU environmental data, uh development for everything, that they they started doing that at the start, try try to keep it quite simple, but they were brought to court by, believe it or not, environmentalists who felt that the environmental laws weren't being fully implemented in these planning in these tree planning applications that were given out. So that put a stop to them for a couple of years as well. Hmm. So we're big into um I suppose legislation and regulation here in ways that most Americans might find somewhat
0: so. so there aren't protests in ireland yet or there aren't big protests i mean we've been, you, there's a lot in like france seems
2: to be where they're always down the highway yeah. Yeah, and the uh, netherlands but, but so what's I, I how think, is the situation I think in it's ireland? A, yeah the situation is quite i think it's kind of important to remember when you look at the protests across europe like that there's different they're protesting over different things yeah they're all the same level of Well, <laughs> oh, sorry they're all the same level of upset. But they're protesting for this thing. So if you look at the farmers in Poland, they were protesting over the fact that the, the Ukraine farm products was, had a free run into Europe. And because if you're driving a truck from Ukraine, you stop the first type, type chance you get. So you stop in Poland and sell your grain there. So the Polish farmers okay. felt that Ukraine was dumping stuff. So they've got a deal now. I think they're trying to get a deal sorted out today where they'll get uh, that, that. that that will can, The, the trade will still exist but it'll be more distributed across Europe. Okay. In Germany, as I said already, they were protesting over the price. Diesel was kind of the catalyst. In France, it's, uh, the Mercosur is a lot of it. The Mercosur, that's the trade deal with um, uh, Paraguay, uh, Uruguay, Brazil, and Argentina. That trade deal, like I said, has been negotiated in 20, was signed in 2019 after 20 years of negotiation. But that's, is seen that France is a big threat to the French economy, particularly because of the beef and stuff, that stuff that's coming up. Also, there's wine as well could come up. So, um, Macron has said he wants the EU to stop the negotiations, stop the ratification of the, that trade deal. The EU came out again, I think, previously, and said they would continue talking. But if France votes against it, France has a veto, Ireland has a veto, Australia's, everyone's got a veto One. So, if they can't get that trade deal over the, over the line and... French politics right now it looks like France is going to vote against it, then that's going to be a problem. But that's also then a problem for Germany because it's the trade deal of Mercosur is a full free trade deal and the Germans want to sell cars. The German cars are back on oh. the headlines again. Germany wants to sell cars into Brazil. So it's kind of, there's a real push and show up there. Ireland even, we have a huge pharmaceutical sector here. So the Irish government Kind of isn't that much against or even though it might mean there's more beef coming in from South America to Europe, reducing the margins that Irish beef farmers can make. Because we'll make more money on pharmaceuticals. So it is are very complex, I think, kind of situation to kind of get a solution to, but the problems are obvious.
1: Lorcan, I have a so very
2: go back to your question oh, on the sorry on, on the um on the Irish farmers. Um, Irish farmers are obviously. The derogation is the big problem at the moment with the nitrates thing, the problem with the water, but Irish farmers right now are busy calving cows, so they have to be really cross to get out in their busy period, whereas okay. if you're in Europe and you're a tillage farmer, this is not your, your quite period, so you can go out and set fire to uh. the European Parliament, whatever you need to do at the moment.
1: Lorcan, I have a really important question, which is whatever happened to the cows that you named after oh. us? I assume they're long gone, but there was like a Joe cow, a Tracy cow. And I think there was cow. a Luke Kawa.
2: Luke Kawa, yeah. Luke L- L- Luke cow was, was the first to get the chop, I think. Luke Cower, <laughs> that was a fine, fine, fine animal. <laughs> He he went off to be burgers many years ago. Um, Tracy, I'm sure, is still around. Oh, Because they they, they, they were breeding cows, and she Tracy grew up to be a good-looking heifer. Last time I saw her, (laughs) it's not Um, the first
1: time I've been called a good-looking heifer. (laughs) Go on, (laughs) Lorkin.
2: We he's the backstory there. Um, Yeah. So, and but Joe cow was definitely that Joe cow's burgers as well, or fine steak. Yes, I'm sure.
0: I miss you, Lorkin. It's. uh, We should do this more often.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is uh Lorkin, I actually have I, I, like some concrete tree advice that I need from you because I've got all these oh like interesting trees on two acres in Connecticut now, including, I'm very excited no, about hang this, hang on, Joe, I, I,
2: I, You're going to claim to be a smallholder now, right? Was that for? Yeah, are? that's
1: right. I've gone into farming. Oh
2: my good Trees.
1: <laughs> Joe's really sick of hearing me talk about this, but... No, um, I'm not, I'm not. But we found a tree that might be an American chestnut, and so we're trying to right, figure out how to deal with that and protect it and what we can do and uh, someone might come over and hand pollinate it in the spring so that'll be exciting
2: that's very exciting so, so you've only got one so you need two trees to mate is that your problem
1: yeah and I, there are almost well there are not many american chestnuts left they all sort of went functionally extinct in the early 1900s so someone has to come and do it by hand and the tree's like 50 oh. feet tall so i don't know how they're going to do it but it'll be yeah, interesting so, so, to watch
2: But cool but that, that's like artificial insemination. We do yes. cows. The yeah. man turns up and gets the cow pregnant. Excellent.
1: Can I just say, I cannot wait until this goes on the radio <laughs> and we're just talking about like, cow farts and slurry and artificial insemination. Yeah. This is going to wake someone I, I, up on a Saturday morning. I'll tell,
2: tell you what, the, the, the introduction of AI into the general discourse has really messed up my SEO on my my farm articles when I write about <laughs> artificial insemination. I have oh. to say. <laughs> oh, Lots
0: More is produced by Carmen Rodriguez and Dashiell Bennett with help from Moses Andam and Kale Brooks.
1: Our sound engineer is Blake Maples. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts.
0: Please rate, review, and subscribe to Odd Lots and lots more on your favorite podcast platforms.
1: And remember that Bloomberg subscribers can listen to all our podcasts ad-free by connecting through Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey there, it's Tracy Alloway.
0: And Joe Weisenthal.
1: We are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast, and we want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you are not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez.
0: Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives.
1: Like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment.
0: And dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch it on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube.